One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. That's bombas.com/acast. Code acast. Hello one and all and a warm welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddo and wherever you're listening from, it's great to have you with us. And if you're a new listener to Book Off, we welcome you with open arms and hope you'll stick with us for the rest of the series and indeed onwards. And if you're a regular listener, well, you know we love you and please do continue to spread the word, whether that's over a cuppa with a fellow bookworm or on the old social media. It really is great to have new listeners with us. Right then, on with today's episode. And my first guest is an actress, singer, author and vlogger whose first book, All I Know, was a number one Sunday Times bestseller. She's appeared in numerous West End shows, including Les Mis, The Addams Family and Heathers, and is here to tell us about her new novel, With This Kiss. It's Carrie Hope Fletcher. Hello, welcome to you. Hello, how are you? Thank you for having me on. I'm absolutely buzzing, thank you, and (laughs) fabulous to have you with us. Thanks for joining. And my second guest's first two novels, The Trouble with Goats and Sheep and The Three Things About Elsie, were both Sunday Times bestsellers and Richard and Judy picks. She's a regular panellist on radio, TV and at literature festivals across the country, and her writing has appeared in The Sunday Telegraph and The Guardian, amongst others. Here to tell us about her new novel, A Tidy Ending, it's Joanna Cannon. Welcome to Book Off, Joanna. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here, Joe. It's absolutely wonderful to have you both. And here are the virtual intros. Joe, Carrie, Carrie, Joe. Hello, lovely to meet you, Joe. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> and you too, Carrie. And over the next 30, 40 minutes or so, we're going to talk about your brilliant new books. We're going to get some reading recommendations from you. And of course, we will do The Book Off, where each of you is going to pitch us a book you love that you think we should all read. But first, uh, to business, bookish business. And Joe, if I could start with you and talk about a tidy ending. Now, we talked about this book, what seems like ages ago, for a, a showcase where... The publisher was telling us about these wonderful books that are coming out, and now it is out. Um, and I must confess, I love Linda. There you go, I've said oh, it. Good, I'm glad. And I'm sure anyone else who reads this book will love her too. Um, perhaps you could just tell us about her, tell us about Terry, and, and set up this story for us. Oh, okay. Well, A Tidy Ending is a story about the darker side of suburbia. Um, and there is certainly one of those, and I think we've all discovered the darker side of our own suburbies in the past couple of years, Um, and it's about a woman called Linda, who's a middle-aged woman, middle-aged life, married to a guy called Terry, and she doesn't even know if she loves him anymore, if she ever did, 
and they've just moved into a new house and mail starts arriving for the woman who used to live in this house and they're very glossy brochures and, and a totally different lifestyle that Linda would, would actually lead and she looks at these brochures and catalogues and she thinks that's the life I should have had, that should have been me. So she decides to set off on a quest to, to search and hunt down the life that she believed she deserved away from Terry and all the kind of mundane things of her own life. So off she goes. In the meantime, there are a series of young women going missing in the neighbourhood and her husband is acting very suspiciously, but Linda is far too concerned about chasing the glamour than she is about what Terry might be up to. And it's a story about envy and comparison. And when, before I was a writer, I was a, a doctor and I worked in psychiatry and I worked in outpatient clinics and there were lots of people with anxiety and depression. And a part of the history taking, you would say, can you remember how this started? And so many people would say, it started with something I saw on Facebook. And it's this comparison, this, their Christmas tree is bigger than my Christmas tree. They went away for three weeks, I went away for two. Her husband's far better looking than mine. And it's this comparison thing that we constantly do and we're encouraged to do because it's all about consumerism. Um, and, it, and it sets people off on a, on a very damaging mental health trail. So that, that is the dark, the dark story of Linda. Um, but there's lots of humour in there too. I hope people will appreciate my kind of um, adoration of Alan Bennett and, and my homage to Alan Bennett in the, yeah. in the character of Linda. <laughs> oh, there is. There's. I found loads of humour in it as well. Good, I'm um, glad. I'm yeah, glad, Yeah, absolutely, Joe. And I've got to say as well uh, that um, Sarah Pimbra, wonderful author, who's a guest of Book Off and this series, actually picked a tidy ending as her book off book oh wow that's a huge accolade because sarah's writing was amazing sarah's writing got me through some dark times during lockdown um so that's that's wonderful to hear thank you so there you go yeah you've been championed already oh, on this podcast. i've never been yeah. championed on this podcast. <laughs> um, that's amazing <laughs> Um, want to come and talk a little bit more about a tidy ending in a moment, Joe. Uh, Carrie, welcome to you again. And with this kiss is your latest novel, as I said. Perhaps you it could is. tell us about Lorelei and her story and just set this up for us and the listeners. Okay, well, with this kiss uh, is a story about uh, a woman called Lorelei who um, has the power to see how she's going, uh, how someone is going to die when she kisses them. Um, so she's kind of sworn off all romantic relationships. She's had some very bad experiences with her first couple of kisses as a teenager, um, running away screaming from these boys who she then saw pass away before her eyes in quite traumatic ways. Um, so she's sworn off all relationships. She says she's never going to be with someone. She's just happy to be on her own and be alone for the rest of her life. But deep down, she's not. She's not happy to be alone. She's a hopeless romantic. She works in a cinema. She's obsessed with books and, and movies and uh, the romantic ones as well. So uh, deep down, she knows that that's not really a lifestyle that she wants for herself. And... Uh, then, of course, she meets the wonderful and very charming Grayson, who she just cannot ignore. So it's about her weighing up whether she'd be able to be in a relationship with someone who she ultimately knows the end of their story. Um, and yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> a very good summation nutshell there. Well done, Thank Carrie. You. <laughs> and um, when you write, are you, do you find sort of time to write in the day when you are on the West End, or is it just not possible to do both? Has all your energy got to go into either writing or being, you know, a star of the West End? 
It's really hard to uh, focus on one whilst you're doing the other. I, I don't know how I wrote my first book because I wrote it mostly at the theatre. Like an hour or two before I'd get to the theatre, I'd sit at my desk and dedicate a couple hours to writing. I'd go do act one, come back to the dressing room in the interval, have a little tap away, um, which I found really difficult because I felt that my head was kind of split between the two. So now it's very much, I separate the two. I write during the day. And then as soon as it's, you know, comes like half four, it's time to go to the theater, put everything away. And then I'll sit on the train and read someone else's writing for a while (laughs) and then do the show. So there's a very clear separation between the two now, which I think is best for my already very messy brain. (laughs) <laughs> Joe knows all about uh, writing her first book whilst at work because you you wrote most of your first book in the car park of the hospital, didn't you, Joe? I did. Yes, it was just a, a way of escape, a kind of therapy. Some doctors play golf or cricket, and I I just wrote a book, and I didn't expect anyone to read it. I thought my mum might read it, um, and then you get so far, and you think, mm, I wonder if this is any good. So I entered it into a competition, and it won the competition. And I got offers of like seven agents offering me. I know it's incredible. But I think, like, Carrie, I'm sure will agree that you, if you need to write something, you find the time, you find a window somewhere to write it. There's always a little space. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and mm. I adore Carrie's writing. Yeah, there's always the time somewhere. Yes, there is. There is, absolutely. Oh, thank you very also, much. Thank you. I know I do. I absolutely love it. I, I love the magical element of your stories. I can't wait to read this one. I'm hoping someone from HarperCollins might be listening. And they might send me a proof because I really want to read it. Because Hint. I loved on the other side and I loved all that she can see. And I, I just love this magical. You just you just provide an escape, which is what we all need now. We need an Oh, escape. thank you so much. So, thank you. So those are the windows that you find are obviously highly productive because it's beautiful writing. <laughs> and is that magical realism, fantasy genre something you like to read yourself, Carrie? Is that is that something that, that has come oh, from your absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't I, that's what I was always drawn to as a, as a kid I loved magical stories and of course I love a bit of romance as well so the mix of the two is is my kind of perfect perfect kind of story yeah <laughs> um Joe in your latest you you already sort of mentioned this um you explore the sinister side of suburbia which I love um I wondered if this was sparked by a particular place or somewhere you knew or if this is pure uh, fiction fiction it's fiction fiction but I think there's always a little bit of you goes into every story Um, I was wandering around different waterstones yesterday doing a little tour and I looked at the autobiography section and I thought all novels are really kind of autobiographies because there's some of you in there I mean, I'm I'm hopefully not Linda. <laughs> uh, there's bits of me in Linda, and, and you know, you 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 see yourself, you write yourself out. And if you look at different authors, they always return to the same kind of themes and the same kind of questions because what you write is what's happening in your head, and it's a way of writing out your thoughts. So I think we do we tell different stories in each book, but there's always some kind of connection. I think in what we write, we keep returning to the same kind of themes. Um, I mean, I write a lot about friendship. Um, and I write a lot about people who live on the edges of society who aren't necessarily heard, um, and I, we give a voice to them. But I think the landscape of, of this book isn't real, but it was written partly during lockdown, um, when we all sat with our own thoughts for a long time, and there was a lot of self-reflection. Um, and, and I think that kind of draws a story out of you naturally. Yeah. And do the characters come first for you? Because... You know, as I said, I love Linda. I absolutely loved 
all the characters in your previous two novels as well and like it feels like they are very well drawn and that perhaps you spend a lot of time with them before they actually even get on the page I think this it always starts with a voice I don't know if Carrie's the same it's a voice it's a character you hear this person which sounds vaguely psychotic um, but I do know they're not real um, <laughs> but you hear this you hear this voice and and you think that that character's got something to say you know, because when you write a novel, you think, what's the point of writing this novel? Why am I writing it? What am I trying to say? What do I want people to think at the end of it? Um, and it starts with me with a voice. And I always know the start and I always know the end. But I never quite know how I'm going to get there. I just let the characters take me. I don't know if, Carrie, are you a plotter? Do you have post-it notes all over your wall? Or do you just let the characters take you? Which, which way you, do you do it? It's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. I sort of plan out the main the main plot points, but how I get between each one is completely dictated by the characters. Yeah, same here. Same here. I think if you're writing detective fiction, yeah. you have to have post-it notes all over your wall because you, you have to, <laughs> yeah. or else you'd write yourself into a corner. But books like we write, which are character-driven, I think you can just have this character that you, you love that's in your head and you say, right, okay, tell me your story. And off they go. And you eventually get to the end point. So it's like driving to Glasgow. I know I'm driving to Glasgow, but I'm not quite sure how I'm going to get there. But that's where I'll end up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that way of thinking about it. I'm driving to Glasgow. I'm just not sure how I'm going to get there. I love that sort of Yeah, let's, let's go on the back roads for a change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and you mentioned crime novelist there. And you're so right because there's, um, I've heard from various crime authors who have long series and they go god what did, what did i do to my detective or you know protagonist in book five now i'm on book 50 and you know did i mention their birthday or did i you know and it's a it it must be a bit of a <laughs> mind-bending experience to you know have to go back and go right i've got all this detail for character you know that i need to remember and i think sometimes that uh, you know they even forget and, and ask readers <laughs> Oh, they do. And also your copy edit, your line I would. Editor. Yes, I would as well. <laughs> your copy edit is usually very good because it's usually people who are so focused on detail. It is unbelievable. Like you will say, you'll get your edits back and they'll say something like, you say your character doesn't like fish on page 375, but on page four, he's eating horseradish sauce, which contains such and such. So which is it? Does he like fish or does he not like fish? And you think, oh my God, these people are just so good that, you know, you tend to rely on them for the kind of details and they will pick out wow. things that you've said and you think, actually, that's right, I contradicted myself. Because it's difficult to hold it all in your head, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And I don't think I don't think that's the job for me. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have that detail, I don't think. <laughs> Copy editors sometimes depress me because I, I, I wrote um, my first ever children's fiction um, a couple of years ago and... I was told all of my references were out of date. Oh. I was told I was too old. No. I know. Who did I reference? I think it was Ian McKellen. And someone was like, people, the kids won't know who Ian McKellen is these days. And I was like, oh my God, I feel so old. <laughs> what, a way to, what a way to age yourself. <laughs> I know. I know. If it, if, it, if it makes you feel any better, I, I know who Ian McKellen is, but then I'm ancient. So Great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it probably doesn't help. <laughs> um I love to ask my guests what they've been reading and enjoying recently because it's always great to get 
more recommendations and fill those shelves uh, to bursting. Have you found time to read, Carrie? I know you said that you know you you'll write in the day and maybe on the way to the theatre you'll you'll tuck into a book. So have you read anything that you've really enjoyed recently? Yeah, last year. My, my reading had really sort of gone downhill whilst I'd been at the theatre because um, I've been so lucky to sort of move on from job to job over the last few years but it just meant that I was mm. constantly in rehearsal periods I was constantly doing like 12 13 hour days at the theatre where I'm on costume on stage not able to have a book in my hands so last year I was like right this is the year when I'm gonna read more than I ever have before um so I got through quite a, a lot of books last year and Taylor Jenkins Reid has become my favorite author her novels are at absolutely unbelievable the seven husbands of evelyn hugo daisy jones and the six the evidence of an affair one true loves like they're all i still haven't found one where i'm like oh that was disappointing they've all been more juicy and delicious than the last yeah she's brilliant isn't she i i I, um had the pleasure of not only uh meeting her in person when you know years ago when daisy jones was just coming out and we we did a, a an event together but then she came on uh, on book off with Damien Barr and she's an absolute delight and I, I really am with you there I think they're just they're so easy to just read and not stop basically <laughs> yeah and all of the characters are so convincingly real like of course Daisy Jones and the Six is about a band from the 60s and 70s and she's written out all of the lyrics of all of their songs in the back of the book <laughs> and I was like right I'm gonna go listen to this band that's obviously real then and looked it up they weren't real, real. I was absolutely devastated <laughs> devastated i couldn't believe i'd been fooled <laughs> what we need now of course is someone to come in and create the music for those lyrics and then the band can sort yes. of exist somehow online yeah that would be the Please. next thing um so, necessary so you've sort of done the the, the taylor jenkins read back catalogue is what you're saying yes i'm making my and way now you're waiting for the slowly. next yeah okay. <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> and what about you joe what have you been reading and enjoying recently Oh, I, I, I love Patrick Gale. I love Patrick Gale anyway. Everything that he writes is amazing. And I read Mother's Boy. I was lucky enough to go to Prudence of Mother's Boy mm. and I absolutely adored it. It was utterly beautiful. His writing... That's just, just come out, hasn't it? Yes. It's, I saw it the other day in Waterstones and I thought, oh, you know, you, you've read a book that's so beautiful and you think, I wish I could read it for the first time again because it was such a lovely experience. Mm. Um, so that was great. I've also read quite a few proofs. There's one called Isaac and the Egg which is out, I think, in August. Um, and it is August. magnificent, yeah. And it is, I know it's a way off, but put it down in your diary and order that book, pre-order that book, because it is amazing. It's about grief and loss and coming to terms with things. It's hilariously funny in parts. It made me sob in others. Um, it's by a guy called Bobby Palmer. And I think it's going to be a massive, massive book. So Isaac and the Earth. It's a debut, isn't my, it? My top pick. It is a debut, yeah. He's a, a journalist, he's a writer anyway, but there's a huge difference between writing for magazines or kind of journalist writing and writing a novel. And he's done the most incredible job. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Brilliant. Yeah, I've got that on the shelf. That that arrived the other day, actually, Joe, and I thought, ooh, must just put that over there for a... Oh, take it down, Joe. Take it down and start reading it. Honestly, it's brilliant. <laughs> well, it sounds, you'll read the blurb and you'll think, what, an egg? What? <laughs> I've got a plane journey coming up, believe it or not. Um, it's been been a while since I've been on a plane, but I think oh. I might take it for that. Yeah, no, do and tweet me and tell me what you think because it, it, I think it's incredible, incredible. Okay, <laughs> I will do. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, thank you very much for, for those recommendations. And it's time for another one because it's time for the book off now where each of you is going to get three minutes uninterrupted to tell us about a book you love and why we should all read it. Now, you don't have to use all three minutes. Many don't. But if you're still talking at the three-minute mark, you're either going to be rung out by the school bell or you're going to be honked out by the bicycle horn. Uh, So we need to decide who goes first, who goes second. Joe, would you like to step up first or do you want to see what Carrie's got? I'll, I'll get mine over with. If Carrie's okay with me going first, I'd yeah, go for it. Carrie's going to do a beautiful job of this because she's an and actor. So, but I, I, I'll, I'll go first, get the whole thing over because it's too pressurising no, for me. Don't. <laughs> and Carrie, at the three-minute mark, would you rather be rung out by the bell or would you like the bicycle horn? The. The, I'm going to go with the bell. You're having the bell. Okay, very good. Yeah. Fine. That means you... Makes me feel like I'm back at school. You've got the bicycle horn, Joe. Yes, I know a lot yeah, of people okay. think that. <laughs> it's actually quite triggering for some people, I think, which I hadn't, yeah. hadn't really <laughs> thought of before this series. Anyway, uh, you know, that's by the by. So what I'm going to do is put three minutes on the clock. And just before we start, Joe, tell us the book that you're putting forward. I am putting forward Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, so I, I don't want to. I don't want to let Daphne down, so I'm going to try and do a good job. <laughs> you won't. All right, three minutes on the clock, then uninterrupted, and over to you to tell us about Rebecca. Okay, where do I start with Rebecca? Um, I'm going to attempt to do this without revealing any spoilers, because there might just might be someone out there who hasn't read it. Um, if Rebecca was written today, it would probably be billed as a psychological thriller, and it is in a way. But it's also so very much more than that. It's a very dark, very gothic, exceptionally atmospheric story about a young woman who, to escape her situation, marries a widower, Maxim de Winter. 
But upon returning to Manderley, the De Winter family home, the newly married woman begins to realise she will now be forced to live in the shadow of his first wife, who is the mysterious Rebecca. But who was Rebecca and why did everyone love her so much? Will the second Mrs De Winter ever live up to Rebecca's standards or is the marriage doomed to failure from the start? And you know, by the way, what actually happened to Rebecca? How did she die? And did Maxim have anything to do with it? The story starts in the present day and then goes back to find out how we got here. So it's a sort of whodunit in reverse. And this adds to the pace of the tension. So there's a cracking plot with many twists and turns. But there are also some really interesting themes within this story. And I think when you look at a classic, a novel that stood the test of time, you have to ask yourself, why is it still being read and loved many years later? And it's always because it's still relevant. I mean, Rebecca was first published in 1938, but the themes within the story, the idea of comparison, jealousy, identity, self-identity, all sit very beautifully within our lives today. And those themes are being handled by a master storyteller, to the point where, in a book about identity, we never get to meet Rebecca, even though she's the character who gives her name to the novel. And in a stroke of utter genius, the narrator of the story, we never actually find out her name. She remains nameless throughout the whole thing, known only as the second Mrs De Winter, because that has now become her defining status. Throw in Mandalay's sinister housekeeper, the iconic Mrs Danvers, and probably one of the most well-known opening lines in literature. Last night I dreamt I went to Mandalay again. And you have yourself an unmissable read. All the psychological thrillers you see today, all the girls on the train, all the women in the windows, the couples down the street and the shady goings on next door but one, as wonderful as those books are, they almost certainly wouldn't exist without this amazing story, without Rebecca. This is the perfect story told by the perfect storyteller. And if you said to me I could only read one book over and over for the rest of my life, this would be it. Wow, well I done. Mean, Fantastic. Do I have to do mine? <laughs> You're going to do I've not prepared anything. I was just going to wing it for a few minutes. <laughs> that was, yeah, well done, Joe. That was uh, with 15 seconds to go and beautifully put a brilliant pitch. Oh. You can have a breather now. Don't you worry, Carrie. You've got this. You've got this. You've oh, got this. No. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I'm putting three minutes back on the clock then. And just before we start them, tell us the book that you are putting forward, please. The book that I'm putting forward is Green Angel by Alice Hoffman. All right. It's three minutes then on the clock. And over to you to tell us about Green Angel. OK, I feel sick. OK, so Green Angel was my favourite book when I was growing up. Um, but I don't think I quite understood it as I should have done. And I reread it last year and it has regained its place as my favourite book ever. It's by Alice Hoffman, who wrote Practical Magic. So if you're a fan of the movie or the book, but the movie was something that I watched first and was obsessed with it. Um, so Green Angel is about a girl called Green who lives with her family, um, her sister, her parents, and they all tragically are lost in a fire. 
and Green is the one person in the family who didn't go with them on the day that they all tragically lost their lives. And so it's a book about loss and grief, but also trying to find who you are. And because she's only 15, that's something that she would have been dealing with anyway. But now that she's lost all of the people who were there to guide her through being a teenager, she needs to do it on her own, uh, which of course she struggles with. And she used to be this, you know, very beautiful um, sort of, um, otherworldly type girl who was constantly in the garden had you know green fingers always gardening growing things that no one else could um but now she's left in a place that's just covered in ashes and nothing can grow and she also feels like she can no longer grow as well so she starts cutting off her hair inking bats and ravens into her skin sewing thorns from all of the roses that used to grow in her garden onto her clothes and she becomes this closed off, very hardened girl. Um, but it's through interactions with this ghostly white dog and looking after this dog that she learns how to to love and, and grow once again. So it's less about the garden growing, but much more about Green growing herself. Fabulous. Was that all right? Yeah, I was just busy writing notes there. That was why. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Fabulous. I don't know this book at all, actually. So I'm... It's so beautiful. It's so short, so you can literally just bosh <laughs> it out in an afternoon. It's so, so beautiful. I'm very taken with it. I'll come back and, and talk about that one in a moment. Um, you can have a little sip of tea, Carrie. Have a breather. <sighs> it wasn't as bad as <laughs> you thought, it. was it, you see? Um, and Joe, yes. Now, Rebecca, obviously, you say uh, going going in uh, and pitching Rebecca, you've got to try and do it do it justice and you absolutely did um this is a book that just comes round and round again and again not on book off but just in conversations i have and when talking to authors it's obviously um you know the, the a writer's book um and hearing you talk about it made me sort of realize yeah why because um it's so great isn't it and it, it it's so original even now and it's so important and when you talked about actually there's so much in it you know that is relevant to today the you know comparison jealousy identity and that's why even though it was published in 1938 people still pick it up and they reread it um i mean i just wrote in capital letters danvers because she's just one of the most iconic characters ever right yeah you could you could identify her from a silhouette couldn't you she's that iconic um yeah she's she's fabulous she's absolutely fabulous and the scene with the the costume and all that. I mean, I won't spoil it for people, but um, when she's encouraging the second Mr. De Mrs. De Winter to, to wear a certain outfit for a certain occasion, you just think, no, this is going to go so wrong. Um, she's she's just fabulous. She is fabulous. And I think the original movie, I've not I've not watched the the kind of remake, but the original movie I thought with Lawrence Olivier was was amazing. Um, but yeah. I tend to not watch. It's really good. I, yeah. I love the book. Yeah. yeah. Me neither, actually. Strangely, but. That that film is actually quite good, mm. but the book obviously just is is unlike anything else. I loved that you said, you know, that pretty much all these psychological thrillers that we love that have been published over the last ten years or so, you know, almost certainly wouldn't exist without Rebecca. And you're absolutely right. And then I also love that you said it's the perfect story. And if I only had to read, could only read one book, you know, for the rest of my life, it would be this one. I just think, wow, that is a strong accolade but yeah. probably one shared by many so yeah, yeah. it's got uh, so much a brilliant it, pitch and every time you read it you get something else out of it and it's the same with Wuthering Heights I can remember reading mm. Wuthering Heights as a teenager 
And thinking, oh, Heathcliff's such a hero. He's such a romantic hero. And then you read it years later, you think, my God, this man's awful. And you, you know, when you, when you read a book at different me. points, you, you, you get a different thing from a book. You get a different perspective, which I think is brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. But I'm going to go and, and order Green Angel. And I love that. Pitch was amazing. <laughs> it sounds fabulous book yeah well i love that you sort of reread it last year carrie as well because this is obviously a book that you've known yes. for many years and then rereading it it has take retaken its place as your favorite book yeah. which i absolutely loved um and i you know i do know of practical magic uh love it but i don't think i've ever read alice hoffman i don't know of this book and initially i was thinking oh gosh but, oh, it's tragic isn't it? it loses her family it's about loss about grief but actually the the way you've pitched it in, it has sort of made me think this is this this is a book I need to pick up and and a short read. I imagine it was it's a sort of young adult yes. novel. Yeah, it? well, it's weird because I think it's pitched as that, but I got way more out of it last year than I did when I was a teenager. Because right. I was reading it thinking, oh yeah, I want to wear a leather jacket. I want to <laughs> sew thorns onto my clothes. I was such an emo kid listening to like My Chemical Romance and Muse and Fallout Boy and The Used. So I was like, yeah, I want to read uh, wear a, a leather jacket with thorns on it and ink bats into my skin. That's Who what, doesn't? What I, exactly. That's what I was taking from it. Um, but now as an adult, it's you know it's especially after a pandemic as well it's it's this uh idea of picking yourself back up and learning how to use what's happened to you as a way to grow even further and I think that's you know such an important message but it's told in such this gorgeous such an innocent way because it isn't about an adult it's about a teenager so it kind of really goes to the the root and the core of what it is to to grow and learn and I imagine, so thinking about these sort of ghostly encounters with the dog that sort of make mm. her grow again and be able to sort of come out of her shell and less less of a hardened girl, all of that stuff, I imagine, sort of informed your writing as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, a person who grew up with, you know, Disney and musicals and I used to read books like this that are all sort of otherworldly, a little bit mysterious and magical. Um, so, yeah. I think it definitely had a hand in in what I ended up writing. Well, this is a, a complete. This is a very tough one because obviously you've got an absolute standout literary classic, and you've got this amazing uh, piece of YA fiction, but for all really, both brilliant pictures. That's a tough one to call on it. I tell you, because simply. Oh no, I don't know now. Uh, <laughs> Simply because... How about you read half of one and half of the you, other? Well, I was going to say simply <laughs> yes, because I idea. feel like more people will have read Rebecca. I'm going to go for Green Angel. <gasps> but, uh, by, by a smidgen because Joe's pitch was also brilliant as well. But maybe because I, people I listening will go, yeah, well, I know Rebecca's great. Yeah, you well, agree you know with, with that, Joe. I've never read Rebecca. So I think oh, it's a win for both of us because now I'm going to go away and uh, and read it. You've never read it. There okay. We well, this Everyone is, a winner. This is Everyone like a, a book winner. swap then. Yes, because Carrie's pitch actually gave me goosebumps, uh, the pitch for Green oh. Angel. So, so I'm absolutely going to go and, and order that. So we're all winners today, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> we're all winners. That's the, that's the way to be. Nice. Um, both brilliant pitches. And it's just, to be honest, lovely to hear about a book like Rebecca. It's just lovely to hear an author talk about 
these books, even though we think we know them. I often find we, we uh, you know, very recently I had Miranda Cowley Heller on and she talked about The Lord of the Rings. And I've never reread The Lord of the Rings because I loved it so much when I first read it. And she was saying, do you must, you must go reread this book. And I was thinking there's nothing about The Lord of the Rings that you can really tell me that I would make would make me think I want to. And actually, that's not true. Hearing her talk about it again made me just think, oh, my God, there's so much I didn't get the first time because I was younger and I'm going to go reread it again, you know, and it's the same with you, Joe, listening to, to that pitch about Rebecca and from conversations I've had quite recently about that book, I'm thinking, God, oh, I just need to go and read that again. So uh, a brilliant pitch and lovely to have, you know, the chance to talk about a literary classic that everyone thinks they know, but actually don't necessarily. And Carrie now is going to go read it. Exactly. And fabulous Wonderful. to Wonderful. Uh, discover Green Angel, Carrie. So thank you for that pitch as well. Oh, thank uh, you. Really enjoyed it. And with this kiss by Carrie Hope Fletcher is out now. It's published by HQ. And Cinderella is at the Gillian Lynn Theatre, I believe, in London until February next year. Very good. I've got my facts right. <laughs> and A Tidy Ending by Joanna Cannon is also out now, published by the Borough Press. Uh, and they are both absolutely fabulous. So you should get yourself a copy to read over the next couple of months. And Joe, Carrie, what an absolute joy to have you here. Thanks so much for, for being with us. Thanks for the recommendations. And thanks for your brilliant pictures. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.